If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, what's the podcast? Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me, as always, across the internet is Drew Douglas. Happy October. Happy October. That was a long welcome for a long month, but it's one of the longer months, but one of our more celebrated months here on Quality Check Podcast. It's it's the best, man. I, I feel... I feel like I've been given new life when October rolls around, and um, I can't fully explain it. I told you this before. AMC Fear Fest underway. 24-7, there's a scary movie on, and it just it comforts me. It's so much fun, though, to end up going home, like you said. After a long day, you've got stress, and you just get home to see that you are comforted by some classic horror films. And it's somebody, nonstop. Just somebody getting murdered on screen. <laughs> I love, I just love flipping on the TV and going, what is on now? And the other day it was Halloween too. So good. So good. So yeah, uh, happy it's October. We're going to talk about our pop culture picks today. It's a busy month. I'm interested to see what you pick. I have some pretty obvious answers. So we're going to, blow through mine okay yeah that's uh, you know before we started recording i told you that i switched mine up and i was gonna i had two versions and i basically loki'd it and went with the the uh variant and i for my list i have two picks we've talked about one brand new something we've never talked about on this show so i'm curious to see where your interest is with it but that pick is lined with a ton of big name actors and actresses. But as you said, we've got our uh, pop culture pickums. We will talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, that dropped. Ooh. And then we'll also give you an update for our fall movie fantasy draft, in which uh, this was a very big weekend, the largest weekend so far in the pandemic for brand new movies. And Drew, you've made a pretty big impression. For the first weekend, because you had two movies that you've picked that came out this weekend, made buku bucks at the box office. That's that's great. There there's a huge caveat to that, (laughs) and why it's not exactly a good thing. We will get to that, and let's go ahead and start off this podcast. As you said, it's a stacked deck. Let's begin talking about Venom. Let there be carnage. Eddie Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. Please, why me? What's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. 
tasted blood before, and that is not it. Let there be cinema. $90 million here in the U.S., and I can't help but just belly laugh when I think about <laughs> I'll tell you this. When I went to the movies, I went opening night Thursday, those special screenings, and the theater itself was absolutely packed. It was, it was you know, I had the feeling of a pre-pandemic experience. And then I saw it in IMAX, and it was not quite sold out. But I would say in that massive auditorium, it was 60 to 75% sold out. Ooh, yeah. A lot of people, uh, a much different crowd than what I've been, been experiencing in recent months. A lot of teens, I think I texted you, a lot of teens... We had um, kids filming the screen <laughs> or taking pics for like Snapchat. I don't know what they were doing, but it was not quite an unruly crowd, but it was definitely the most rambunctious crowd I've been to in a while. And thankfully for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, it kind of worked. Yeah, I I think something like that is where you're kind of hoping for a little bit of wildness because it... Is fitting for a movie that is mainly camp. Uh, it's funny that you say that you also did IMAX. I was not going to do IMAX, but I ended up getting a free ticket the week before leading up. That was a surprise to me. I accepted it. However, without really revealing too much about what I thought about the movie, I wish that I stuck with my original plan and just watched it on the theater that is not far from where I live versus a theater that's literally across town and on the IMAX. Uh, what did I text you after I walked out of this movie? It was just like, OMG, that movie. Yeah, I think he said, woof, or oh boy, or <laughs> something. And and I'm like, oh, great. I know. And, but here's the weird thing. When I got your text, because you're an hour ahead of me, I think I was just leaving work or something. And it was one of those that I totally forgot this movie is only an hour and a half. And when you text that, I thought, are you in the middle of the movie texting? I'm like, no, you're already no, out. I, I'm out. We, I told you, the movie starts at 7. There's legit 22 minutes of previews and TV <laughs> spots or whatever. And I, I was texting you at 8.44. There is, this is like the fastest movie you'll experience this summer, which I think is uh, good and bad. I just wondered, I thought, Maybe for this one, um, we, we just talk about if we liked it or not. And then I want to do something called thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm just going to give you some topics related to Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a.k.a. Let There Be Cinema, because this movie made a lot <laughs> of money at the box office. And we'll just we'll play that game. But I don't want to say I didn't like this movie. It's along the lines of the same feeling that I got with the first one, which is this is not a good movie, but I had a lot of fun. Oh, interesting. Um, in terms of this one, it's not a good movie, and I had a little bit of fun. I don't think this is as good as the first one. For whatever reason, uh, I was super stoked to see this movie, as you were. Mm -hmm. And it's it was about four to five minutes into the movie that I was like, this is not good, like yeah. immediately. And one thing that this thing does right off the bat that is – Stupid. No movie should ever do it. It's you have younger characters 
um, that will be played by well-known actors later in the film, in this case, Woody Harrelson and Naomi Harris. And they use those actors' voices on the younger people playing them. And it is the worst choice you could ever make in a movie. Terrible, terrible. This movie, for whatever reason, reeks of those early 2000 comic book movies that (laughs) you would go to the theater and see and there was like a 50 to 60% chance that they were going to blow. You didn't know what you were going to get. Well, I've got some pretty strong words for this. And like when we originally, like we were saying, I was pumped for this going into it. And leading up, it was so strange because earlier in the day, I kept thinking about this movie. And each hour that- You told me you can't stop thinking about Venom. I couldn't. I literally could not. I could not do my job. (laughs) Because I was thinking about this movie and I thought, I hope this movie is garbage, but fun garbage. One of those that like, I want it to be campy. I want it to be over the top. I want all of those things. And for the most part, it was like it was over the top and it leaned heavily into those things as like what you were saying. The first film was kind of tiptoeing around. But right before the movie, I'm like, I'm getting like a really weird feeling. And I think maybe it was also the fact that you would text me like at that point, two hours before Man. I saw the movie. And I'm well, like, I hope I didn't ruin it. No, you didn't ruin it. But I just started in it. It wasn't up until I pulled into the theater parking lot. And I think that was it. I had 20 minutes driving to the theater thinking about hmm. whether or not I had made the right decision. So I walk in IMAX screening or it's like a small IMAX and it's pretty full overall. And similar situation, there were a lot of younger, especially like high school and yeah. maybe college, like maybe, but m- I would say mostly high schoolers. And this was at 9.30 on Thursday night. Man, that's and, a rough crap. Yeah, and it's like your midnight, you know, your midnight screen and your rowdy bunch. And so it starts and they're already like yelping and they're like a freaking (laughs) wild, a pack of wild dogs. And they're just like, you could tell they're going to freaking eat it up. Yeah. No matter what's on screen, they're going (laughs) to just, that was my audience laughing at literally every stupid joke imaginable. I'm like, what are you guys watching (laughs) that I am not seeing? And so that happened. That literally happened in this and it starts. And as soon as we get the voice and I look, I look, I look to my left, I look to my right and they're freaking into this. I'm like, am I, <laughs> what, what's going on? Am I in another universe right now where this is wildly accepted and I'm in the outsider and then it goes on and then like 10 minutes in or less, like you said, it felt just like a few minutes in where my anticipation slowly started to dwindle, it was almost like my entire soul was being sucked out by carnage. Oh, jeez. And I was not feeling it. And it goes on. And there are some good bits here and there. But then, like, the audience was so into it, but I could not get into this movie. And... Throughout the entire thing, it got, it got worse and worse and worse. Ooh. And then for me, that's how I felt. I think that there are a few bits that it could have been fine, 
But at an hour and a half, this movie freaking blows by. <laughs> like, there's no, it literally felt like there's Dom nothing, Toretto was driving. There's nothing to it. There's literally no. nothing to this movie, which is insane. And that's it. Like, there was, there's no meat. It was all just like, let's just get to fighting. But even then, the fighting, I'm like, eh. And there's, there's people saying this is one of the best, like, closing fights that they've seen in a comic book film ever. That's like one of the reviews on a website I frequently visit. I, I don't get it. I don't I, understand. I yeah, that blows my mind. I'm I'm baffled by it. I I found it fascinating that you described this at parts as like being an early 2000s comic book movie because there are so many times like for example when Eddie sits down and he's do it's the uh, fast motion with his hand drawing and it's yeah. Venom who's taking over his body to scribble out. And it's like that crap is like from the early 2000s. And I'm okay not seeing some of that stuff ever again. <laughs> it looked terrible. I The first 10 or 15 minutes of this movie are really bad. Yeah. And then we're reintroduced to Eddie Brock and Venom. And that's when I found myself getting into it. I was like, okay, the, the beginning's rough. And it finds a groove. And then it just hits all of the notes that you've seen before. They got to have a fight. They separate. They come together for the big fight. And I just, I could not get into this movie. Let's do thumbs up or thumbs down. The uh, First up, the Eddie Venom relationship. Weirdly, I got to say thumbs up. Yeah. It's, it's it's one it's of the what saving, saves this movie. Yeah, it's really yeah. the only thing. I, I was going to say Hardy, his investment in this role is pretty apparent. He co-wrote this movie. He's already talked about how he he's ready to do a third movie because he just loves it so much. And his dedication is so deep that even on nights when he was not filming, he was showing up on set to make sure everything went smooth. Mm. So he's all in on that, and I respect that. Yeah, that's the redeeming value in this movie is that oddball buddy relationship. Yeah, I I agree. That's that's one of the few redeeming factors. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. The villains we have Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy, aka Carnage, and Naomi Harris. She is Frances Barrison, aka Shriek. Or what I kept saying at the end of this screech. Uh, <laughs> oh my god I, i'll say in my theater they were into it but she had a handful of dialogue where they were laughing out loud i think she is maybe this is like maybe all-time bad she's awful that character is so bad in this yeah you know i think she here's the weird thing i give a thumbs down on woody and carnage but I give a thumbs up only on Naomi, but a thumbs down on the character. Because I think you you could tell that she was invested and tried to do something that was semi-redeemable. And I respected that from her, but I didn't feel like there was anything different that Woody was giving us that he hasn't nor that someone else could have done a better job with. And I hate saying that because I do love me some Woody Harrelson, but I kept thinking, I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like someone else could have done a really good job 
and leaning in to the camp, but do it in a better, different, better way. I mean, I think it comes down to just the writing. There's just not much to it. The, the, True. The, I think the smartest thing this movie does, and it's actually one of the better aspects of this movie, is we get a backstory of Cletus Cassidy, and it's done like animated style. We've mm-hmm. seen that before in other movies, but I thought that was actually that that was uh, I thought that was fun. That was I cool. That so thumbs up, thumbs down. Andy Circus stepping into the director's chair. Man, or did you even I... notice the difference? Because honest to God, if you told me Ruben Fleischer did this or whoever <laughs> the doofus that did that first one, I wouldn't be able to tell you no. It just was not something I could look at and say, man, I love Andy Serkis doing this. <laughs> I wow. need him to direct more. He's yeah. done, I think, two other movies and they're, they're like small dramas. I'd be interested to see those. Yeah, I, I think in a case of a movie like this, it's so hard to find the identity of directors. And like, I still have not seen Guy Ritchie's Aladdin all the way through. But oh, yeah, and that's a movie you could never tell. You would, no one on earth could tell you that that is a Guy Ritchie film. There, there are moments of like shimmers of Ritchie, but I mean, for the most part, yeah, it's unidentifiable as a Guy Ritchie film. But like this, it's like you said, take Ruben or we end up having Andy, either of those two, who knows? Like I, I haven't, I honestly cannot tell you. So, I mean, I hate to do this, but I'm giving that a thumbs down for Circus. The 90-minute runtime. This is something that usually I would say works, and I love it, but we needed, this could have used like 15 more minutes. Let's flush this out. There's just no mystery to the movie. It all ends in a church fight, and it just (laughs) feels like everything's leading to that, but there's nothing pushing it forward. Yeah. The reason for Venom stepping in to save the day, I'm like, why? Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it just, it's a big bummer because I kept thinking, I love that this movie is so breezy, but at the same time, I felt like I had whiplash at times because I would, I it felt like we would start down one road and then it would change course and then we would stop that or it would be answered almost immediately. So there were no conclusion, there were no long-term questions because it was concluded almost immediately. So I have to give it a thumbs down for the runtime. Finally, the mid credit scene where, spoiler alert, we heard rumblings about this for a long time. Venom is now officially connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We see Tom Holland as Spider-Man. That mid credit scene actually pissed me off. Oh, because it's I mean, like, it's fun to think about Hardy wanting to be with Holland. Like those two are going to be awesome, but who's going to be making the movie? It's probably, if it's the Sony people or the Marvel, who did this stupid movie? It was Sony. Was it Sony? Oh yeah. yeah. That's scary. That's scary to me. Yeah. So, I mean, and with that being the case, it's all, it only makes sense that that's Sony saying, Hey, we're taking over Spider-Man. That was them in the sand, drawing a line, saying, all right, Marvel, you can have all the fun you want. 
talk about it all you want with Tom Holland and you've got one final outing with Spider-Man, but then we're going to take him over, which I think the mid credit scene says that. And it also says Venom very likely is going to be in No Way Home. Gosh, I I hope he's only in like the end credits or something. Uh, Which I hope too, when he's in it for only a little bit. But the thing, why- what happens if if this had tanked, if this opened- with $22 million, the Marvel Studios would be like, what's, we just like made a huge mistake. So (laughs) I think you have, his involvement in No Way Home, it's got to be minuscule, if if at all. And I think that's going to be the case. I really do. I think he will be involved, but he'll show up just to set up the Sinister Six. And I think that's what Sony's trying to do here with bringing all of these characters together. They're finally able to make that. But, but this who is so is he going to be a bad guy? Yeah. Well, that's a thing. Eddie Brock is a good guy. That's the other issue. Well, and that's a, I don't understand. That's why it made me mad because one, I don't understand it and two, Venom was like freaking licking the screen and it's like we can't wait to devour him or what was it that he even said? He's like I like this one or something and licks the screen, but why? And why that's would you it. suddenly do that. Like exactly, like you've never seen this person ever before. <laughs> what? Yeah. We, I, everyone loved it, man. We, we had clapping, all sorts of stuff. No joke. People were standing up in their freaking seats. Oh, my gosh. And they were, like, cheering. Oh and they were, like, they were digging it. They were so into it. And then I, like, looked once again, and I'm the only one standing there, not, like, laughing, cheering, doing anything, I felt. Oh, man. And I was, like, like you said, it's, like, Venom has only seen Spider-Man for like two freaking seconds and that's it. And we don't know anything other than that. And he like licks the screen and <laughs> like they didn't even get Tom Holland for this movie. They probably just used a freaking, you know, like, extra it, scene. A Google uh, Google image. Yeah. They used. It made me so mad. And then the only thing they got J. Jonah Jameson or oh J.K. Gosh. Simmons back for that, for this. they I, I will give it to them. They probably did that. But outside of Tom Holland, they didn't get him for this. And people are freaking crapping their pants in the theater <laughs> over this. And it's like, <laughs> why? Didn't they just recycle the J. Jonah Jameson stuff from Far From Home? Isn't bet, that the same scene? I bet. I bet. I honestly could see that. And I, it, I can't figure out what they're doing. Uh, I just, it's like bringing back the Marvel. TV shows. <laughs> Let's just start over, please. Yeah. I just start over. I, I, you know, I, I appreciate that they were trying to do something with Venom. I have not been able to get on board because I know you like the first one. And even though it was kind of like a mess, you dug it or liked it. I mean, it's like a, what did I call it? A beautiful trash, mess? A trashter piece or something. Oh, like it's yeah. not, I, I can fully admit that that movie's not good. But there's something about it that I can't put my finger on that I just, I enjoy. I've seen that like six times and I dig it. <laughs> I just don't feel the way, um, I just don't feel that way with this new one. Maybe, and yeah. I wonder if I rewatch this movie, it's more fun. Um, so jumping, well, out of five uh, Venom tongues, what are you going to give Let There Be Carnage? I honestly say one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's I'm going to do two and a half. I this movie was not for me. Um I wanted it to be like I was looking forward to it. I wanted to love it. It's just like oh man. 
I, I, I hate doing it, but I got to give it one. I do think it's funny that you mention you pull into the parking lot of the theater and you're like, what did I do? <laughs> because I pull in and I see the people that are outside the auditor, like the theater. And I'm like, this is, I know you're seeing the same movie as me. And I have that dread. <laughs> and I, w- I wasn't wrong. Um, so th- <laughs> looking back at our fantasy movie, fall fantasy movie box office draft game or whatever we called it. <laughs> we each drafted four movies. I, I got, I ended up with Venom mm-hmm. 2, The Adams Family, um, Dune, and No Time to Die. Ooh. So this past weekend, two of my movies hit theaters. Venom made $90 million. That's awesome. That's great. Biggest opening of the pandemic era here in the U.S., uh, the Adams Family too, a surprising eighteen million dollars. Yeah. That currently gives me a hundred and eight million dollars so far. You have zero, but you, none of your movies have hit theaters yet. So this is great news for me. I'm super excited, but there's an issue. This week, in just a few days, no time did I finally comes to theaters here in the United States, which means that's going to make a killing. But Venom and Adams Family too will not make a killing. I'm eating into my profits. This is not good <laughs> whatsoever. Um, I can only hope that No Time makes an absolute killing. It's opened overseas in 54 markets, and it's currently made $119 million. Ooh. That's not including China, which is the world's second largest market. One other note that's, I think, pretty interesting about No Time to Die. It is now... Uh, has the highest opening ever for a James Bond movie in the UK. It beats Skyfall. That's nuts. So I I am expecting some huge things when this comes out in a couple of days here in the US. If Venom made $90 million, I wonder if No Time can crack 100. I do. I really do. Again, it's two hours and 45 minutes long. I think that's what's going to hurt this in the long run but that's a good point so that's an update on the fantasy thing what you so you your movies you had ghostbusters you have eternals which come Mm -hmm. out in november early and late november you have halloween kills which is in two weeks yeah and uh what was your fourth movie oh last duel yeah i've got the last duel which is going head to head with halloween kills that's not even gonna make 10 million dollars i can't believe adam's family 2 did so well you know i Here's the thing. I anticipate Adam's Family 2 doing okay in this upcoming weekend, but with no time coming out, I expect that to obliterate Venom. And I anticipate Venom dropping like 60%. Because I think oh, yeah. most oh, people, yeah. or maybe 70, because I, I think would say more. It's going to go from 90 to like 30, 20. maybe? I'd say 25 20. to 30. Yeah. And then no time. I'm hoping no time makes, let's say, 70. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we shape up. The last duel, that's not going to do well for you. And uh, Halloween Kills is going to do, I think, pretty good. Even though that will be streaming, I think that's going to do really well. You know, and the closer we get, the more I'm like, maybe Halloween Kills is more in line with the Adams Family, too. Oh, I don't think so. That's going to bank. That's going to make some serious money. And that's the thing. Like, it holds the release for that three years ago holds as one of the top grossing opening weekends for any film that has come out in October. So the first Halloween did Buku Bucks. I think this one has potential, but the first Venom also did amazing. 
And it's, it's just so unbelievable to think that right now, still on the pandemic, Venom 2 makes more than the first Venom opening weekend. It's wild, man. Let there be cinema. <laughs> and, you know, with Halloween Kills going to Peacock, we, we kind of like, that was kind of a knock at first because it could dig in your, in your uh, box office. But I don't think people don't really have Peacock. I don't think. Yeah. I don't. Th- I think people are going to want to see that in theaters. Uh, I will say we had to get Xfinity internet, and that means free Peacock for me, baby. Ooh. So now I get. I have the uh, premium Peacock. Now so what? now the now the debate is: Do we see Halloween Kills in theaters, or do we stay home, Ooh. avoid what could be a grueling crowd experience? So I don't know. I don't know if I want to go to theaters to see this as much now. I I will be seeing Halloween Kills in theaters. I wish it was on the IMAX because I'd much rather see that on the IMAX than Venom Let There Be Cinema. <laughs> I mean, I, I lean theaters too because the Regal Pass. It's like we need to take advantage of that while we can. Yeah. It's always going to be better in, in theaters most of the time. Um, you want to do the uh, pop culture picks? Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for uh, October. Now, two of my uh, three picks are very obvious, and I will not spend time talking about them. Oh. I'm sure you could already get If you know me whatsoever, you know what I'm going to pick. I'm, I'm um, curious where they land on your list, though, if they're one and two or three and two. I can tell you right now they're one and two. Oh. Uh, my number three, you want me to start off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to choose season three of You Ooh. coming to Netflix on October 15th. Have you watched this at all? It's got Penn Badgley in it. No, and it's on, it's on my watch list, though. It is. Uh, it's a show. I think I probably picked season two when that came out. Um, I, I had originally started watching season one with my wife, and she made it maybe three or four episodes, and was like, "This guy is too creepy. I, I can't watch this. You know, this is like the scariest show imaginable. It's just this young, attractive guy that is a huge psychopath, and." Um, he just becomes obsessed with usually a girl every single season and things go south. This season, switching it up a little bit, I won't I won't say any spoilers, but I am excited for the direction this is taking. And uh, I will be binging this the weekend of October 15th, which also happens to be the weekend of Halloween Kills. Ooh. This, uh, you know, I don't know anything about season one and two. I have seen a spoiler image from season three. And I know the direction that you're talking about. I won't say any more. But I I really want to watch this. And I almost started it with my girlfriend, but she was not having it. Like, we watched just a few minutes. She's like, nope, I can't do it. And Look, she was freaked out. Yeah. I think it's funny too because and Penn Badgley has talked about how he has struggled with this role because he plays such a despicable despicable character. Yet there are women all over the internet lusting after this character, and he's like, "Are you guys insane? Like, you're not supposed to be attracted to this person. What is wrong with you?" And it was it's the struggle of how do you continue making a show where apparently it's not sinking in with viewers that. You should not be falling for this kind of person. <laughs> but I think it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting to me. And I guess this is maybe the point is we're, we're 
we're not looking deep enough in some of the people that we find attractive and that we fall in love with. And uh, we realize too late that, oh my gosh, what did I do? Yeah, that's definitely a warning sign, but it makes me also excited to see more of his character and what's got the internet ablaze. Looking at my picks, I will say that this kind of sets the tone a little bit because I am going with all TV shows or slash miniseries. My number three pick is wrapping up it's a season, a series finale season, and it's premiering on HBO October 24th, and that is Issa Rae's Insecure. Ooh. I am pumped for this because it's coming to a close. I'm sad it's coming to a close because looking at the start of how Issa Rae started this show to like how she got started... And then where she's going, I find this to be wildly inspiring. And also, I love to see what's next for her. And I think that she's got a really good career ahead of her. But it's also really funny because I'm not like for like if I were to talk to someone and just say, I'm pumped for Insecure, like really? And I was wanting to watch this show and get into it. And then that was uh, before my girlfriend and I started dating. Then she was already like a season and a half in. And so then we re- she rewatched the first season. I watched it for the first time with her. So that was kind of like our show. And we watched it. But I've loved seeing this character grow. And I love that this is literally a show created by Issa's vision that she started as a web series and it went from there and spawned an HBO show and it spawned a production company and she's now working as one of the rising writer, director, producers, actresses of Hollywood. And I love this. It's such, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot to love not only about Issa, but also the actors and actresses in this show And it's just so different. I love that we're getting TV like this and we're, we're getting a glimpse in a world into a world that is not often covered in terms of like what Issa, not only like where she works, but her friend group and just some of the adventures that they go on. I love it. I I can't wait for it. I'm sad that it's wrapping up. And all I can say is I hope that by the end of it, we get, a an announcement of what's next for for Issa and company because um, it's just a show that um, I've loved. I will say season four to me took a little bit of a of a dip. It didn't um, it didn't really go as far as where I was hoping that it would go. And my girlfriend also shared some of those sentiments as well. But I've got high hopes. It's a final season. I think they're going to pull out all the stops um, from. Just the trailer, she's giving ode to a lot of things that have brought her here and to even what's next. So I'm pumped for it. Well, hopefully she doesn't do more stuff like the lovebirds. Oh, not good. Uh, Number two for me. What do you think it is? I'm going to say Halloween Kills. Yeah, you're right. It comes out... uh, on October 15th in theaters and on Peacock Ooh. for all you paid premium members like me. Oh. 
Um, very excited for this movie. We don't need to talk about it. We've talked about this enough. Cannot wait. I am intrigued by the mixed reviews for this. It's about 50-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes because this had its premiere at um, Venice in early September, and reactions were quite mixed. Uh, that intrigues me a lot, though. It's a little bit like whenever Old came out. That was very divided, literally, and we both dug that. And yeah, so it makes me even more excited for it. I'm pumped. My second pick is, yet again, a TV show coming to HBO, and it is premiering on the same night as Insecure, and that's on October 24th, and that is Larry David's Season 11, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I had this as a wild card. Yeah, I I decided, uh, and here's the other thing, Insecure in its final season, that's announced. Issa's been very forward with that. Season 11 of Curb Your Enthusiasm is kind of maybe it, it's very likely it could be Larry David's swan song with Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's tiptoed around that. He's yeah. talked about it. And He's done this before, though. Exactly. And that's where I'm like, I don't know, because with season nine, when it ended, it was like, that's it. And then he was like, he, he's got more ideas. So he came back for season 10, last, which was last season. But there's something about Larry David, and I find it hilarious how their new promo, especially their social media promo, is the world has changed, he hasn't. And it's so funny because Larry is as cynical as as ever. I find the humor in this to be so different than what we get. And Larry is just a comedic genius. I love the hijinks that ensue. And this is one of those few shows that I laugh and I sound like a wild hyena laughing because that's how much I love the humor in this and some of the some of the outrageous things that happen. All right, my numero one, it's pretty obvious. It's No Time to Die. Ooh. The 25th film in the James Bond series, Daniel Craig's final film. It makes me nervous because... How do you properly end the Daniel Craig era? I have no idea what to expect. Um, I'm intrigued by a couple plot things I won't get into because you still have not seen Spectre for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I know. You need to be honestly taken out back and just like beaten. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself. Because that just makes me absolutely sick. Uh, I thought about this the other day. Uh, Kerry Joji Fukunaga ended up directing this movie, but there was a period of time when cameras were about to start rolling with Danny Boyle as the as the director. He wrote a screenplay with John Hodge, who he works with a lot. Loves. And they, they ended up leaving because of creative differences in 2018. And uh, Fukunaga stepped in. I heard recently that their idea for this movie, it was going to be lighter and sillier along the lines of kind of how Roger Moore's bonds were, which I don't know if I necessarily buy because that just doesn't track with the first four films of the Craig era. So I don't know if they would have done that. That would have been a pretty strange departure, I think. (laughs) But uh, yeah, isn't it interesting? We thought we, we almost had a Danny Boyle one and I know you're still like wanting that, but oh my gosh, Danny Boyle. No, thank you. And he needs to team up with Richard Curtis on the script. Okay, that I, I'd be into that. Richard Curtis is a genius, but 
Uh, yeah, No Time to Die, number one. I have my IMAX tickets just a couple days away, baby. That's I, I'm pumped for you. And I, I you know, as it's as it gets closer, I I think actually tonight, late tonight, I'm going to snuggle up and I'm going to uh snuggle up and do what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my Daniel Craig Bond on and I'm Please going do. to I, I think I'm going to rewatch Skyfall Spectre for the first time tomorrow. And you have then, to do definitely have to do Spectre. Uh yeah. Well, and especially leading up to everything that I've seen with the the trailers, it's just it's getting me more pumped. This is once again just like Venom earlier in the week. That slow anticipation is like a roller coaster, just click, 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 and it's hitting the top. And before, I'm expecting the payoff to be a whole lot better than freaking Venom, though. <laughs> Let's hope so. If I walk out of that movie and I text you, and I'm just like, "Woof!" <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm done. I, if you say that, I I will give up. I don't know. However, I've I've not read what the finale is, like the final scene or how it ends. But I've heard. I would hope not. Why would you do that? But I, I have heard. It's, oh no. Yeah, I've heard one thing and I've held. I'm not going to say what it is. Yeah, I don't want to know. I will say after you see it because you'll see. Actually, I'm going to try to see it maybe shortly, maybe around the same time that you do. I'm I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but there's, I'm not sure yet. All right, what's your number one? Let's go. My number one is something that I set up in a tease and it was, I tried to work that in, but it is starring... Michael Keaton. It is a Hulu miniseries coming oh. out. Uh, oh, do you know what it is? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Ha- I don't have Hulu. I don't pay attention. Well, I saw the preview for this. Um, it was technically the trailer, first trailer, one and only trailer I've watched. I stopped watching it after this. Coming out on October thirteenth. It's a miniseries with nine episodes right now, starring Michael Keaton, Peter Skarsgård, Will Ooh. Poulter. Rosario Dawson, Will Chase. It's got a ton of actors and actresses. And the name of it is Dope Sick. It's, what the heck is this? It, it's about, Amer- it's technically the start of America's, um, America getting hooked on the opioid addiction and what led up to that. And like the big phrase or like slogan is, the lie America got hooked on. And so Michael Keaton plays one of the doctors who they sell, Big Pharma sells opioids in terms of how it's supposed to help patients. And it truly is looking at how it just blew up and became such an issue in America. But it looks at the very beginning of that. And you've got these major players. Michael Keaton plays a doctor and he's sold this by uh, Will Poulter's like trying to uh, make a living as a salesman. And he's going around and, and he's one of the salesmen. But, you know, it looks so to me so fascinating. The trailer is heartbreaking, I feel, because it looks like we've, we're going to get some great actors uh, and actresses just going head to head. It looks like they're going to have some great uh, scenes to chew. I am a little in question because Danny Strong is the creator for this, and Danny has been behind uh, more political films. 
Uh, he's also behind the show Empire. He created Empire. And mm-hmm. so Danny's worked on Recount, Game Change, uh, The Butler. And then he also did the screenplay for Hunger Games, Mockingjay 1 and 2. So Oof. I don't know. A bunch of stuff I'm just not interested in. And that's it. I'm worried because of that. But the trailer looks good. It sold me. I, I've only seen it once. And it's just a fact of like seeing Michael Keaton, uh, Rosario Dawson, and just a few others just chewing the scene. And I just, I'm there for it. I want to see, I hope this is good. But more than that, it just, it looks so fascinating. Now, the way this trailer, how this kind of set the tone, it reminded me of the movie Dark Waters. I believe that's the name of it. And it was Mm -hmm. with uh, Ruffalo. Did you see that? No. Um, that was good, and I dug it, but it reminds me the tone of that. With no, This is I'm like a miniseries. I've learned since the start of the pandemic, my favorite type of story structure is the miniseries format. Like Chernobyl was such an amazing miniseries that that has stuck with me. And ever since then, I've watched a few others, like Sharp Objects a really tough uh, miniseries to get through, but it told a story in a very unique way that I thought the structure was great. So with that, I'm hoping this will just follow along the lines of that, telling a longer story that you couldn't fit it all into a movie, but it's they've got an end to it where they're not going to draw it out into a TV show. So I mean, that's I hope my they hope. Do, uh, I hope they do 10 seasons. <laughs> now, be honest, I need you to be honest with me. What's that? If, if you didn't know that I was doing No Time to Die and Halloween Kills, would you have put that in your top three? No Time would have been, I think, if not a wild card, number three, and then Halloween Kills would have been number two. So yeah, I would have had those. What would have been your number one? Probably, it may have been Curb or Insecure. Yeah. But okay. Dope dope Sick, there's something about the trailer that just... I love I love the look of 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 shows or miniseries like this, and so this this I'm I'm really excited just to see what they can pull off with this. But I'm also worried. So, but if <laughs> if, if you had not if you had not included those, because I wanted to talk about some different things, and I'm like I wonder like dope sick. I'm not seeing anyone talking about this, and literally no one's talking about it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about different things too, but I got to go with my heart, man. And these, I, I, these are what I want. This is what I'm basically living my life for right now is the new James Bond to Halloween Kills. You've got Alzheimer's, that's for sure. All right, so we're going to wrap this up because I got to see what's on Fear Fest. <laughs> I'm hoping it's Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, man, that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to be joining you. I might be doing Season of the Witch. Oh, I did that the other night and I had five seltzers and I think I texted you that five seltzers in and this is a masterpiece, but I didn't need to drink that to know that this is a masterpiece. It's a freaking, it's an underrated film that I would also go as far as to say it's a masterpiece. So I'm right there with you and I'm under five seltzers in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. hard. Uh, Um, No, it's a, I love that one. I think that one's awesome. It's so underrated, and it, appa- it's it's a, it's a shame it didn't do well because the uh, we've talked about this. The idea was we're going to do an anthology series. Halloween two wrapped up Michael Myers, 
now every Halloween we're just going to have a spooky movie. Mm-hmm. And people were so confused that there wasn't Michael Myers and they basically revolted. And that's why Michael comes back in the fourth film. But honestly, the I love the idea of a, a Halloween anthology series. Yeah, I dig it. A Maybe lot. that's where you go next. You do you do Halloween kills, Halloween ends, and then you do Halloween, but you you do the anthology series. And they bring Carpenter on board. I bet he'd do it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, he seems, uh, I think he's ready to pack it up. Yeah, he has been for quite some time. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm, I'm pumped because we've got a lot to talk about going forward. We're definitely going to talk about No Time to Die and James Bond after we see it so that will be coming and then we've got halloween kills and that's i know we'll both be seeing that over the last duel yeah i mean who's i do want to see the last duel but honestly who's going to be seeing the last duel Ben affleck and and matt damon that's who. i just i don't understand put that out like november 15th or yeah. why are you releasing that in the middle of october i don't know stupid Well, that's going to do it this time for us film fans. Hopefully you join us on our next discussion where we talk about James Bond and why Drew has a shrine of Daniel Craig in his house. And until next time, keep watching.